I want to start by saying that every person has intrinsic value, unique value that makes them special. And it's really about how you use it, how you apply it, and how you're willing to be proactive about it. It comes from within. Sometimes some people come from harder circumstances. Completely makes sense. That's understandable. Uh, other folks that are choosing to not put in their 100%. So if someone is being resourceful, that is the most important skill you can have as a human being, no matter what AI comes out there. How do you get 10,000 people to take a step to the left? What's behind the relentless mindset of a world champion? Why do teams of exceptional talent fail? How do you manage the pressure to perform? These are just some of the curious questions we will attempt to answer as we bring you world leaders, curious minds, exceptional talent, successful CEOs, and incredible human beings who know how to inspire great leaders and are inspiring great leaders themselves. I am Craig Johns, high performance leadership expert, international speaker, and CEO of Speakers Institute Corporate and World Sport Coach. This is the Inspiring Great Leaders podcast with ordinary don't belong. Welcome to the Inspiring Great Leaders podcast. Our guest today is someone who embodies the true spirit of entrepreneurial adventure. He is the CEO and co-founder of Fireflies.ai, a revolutionary artificial intelligence note-taking assistant embraced by over 200,000 organizations, earning him a cover and recognition of Entrepreneurial Magazine for 12 founders changing business and a spot on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. His exceptional story isn't just about entrepreneurship, it's about determination, innovation, and the power of embracing change. The former product manager at Microsoft graduated from summer cum laude from the University of Pennsylvania in just three years. Under his leadership, Fireflies.ai has grown from 10 employees to 70 in less than a year and has already made key partnerships with top providers, including Zoom, Slack, and Salesforce. And I'm sure that's growing even more than that. Tune in as we dive into the remarkable tale of a true trailblazer in the tech world whose career has been a whirlwind of creativity and success, Chris Ramanini. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks, Greg, for having me. And uh, really awesome to hear that intro. It's, it's really nice that you spoke uh, such kind words. Uh, you're welcome. Everything's well-deserved, and I'm sure you've got plenty more accolades coming for you in the future. Uh, I'm really curious. Uh, for you, what was the big dream when you were a young child, and where did you grow up? When I was younger, I actually wanted to go into a completely different field. I wanted to be a doctor. Um, that was more pushed on me by my surrounding environment uh, and my family. And that's something that I wanted to do. But over time, I realized what I was passionate about. And I was passionate about working with people, building things uh, from projects, extracurricular activities out, outside of school. Uh, to just doing group things. I was just so excited by that. And no matter what problem we were solving. So I remember when I was 
in third and fourth grade. There was a extracurricular competition and we got together as a team and we competed. It was around building rockets and building uh, motor vehicles. So I was both a builder and I was also someone that just liked to compete. And I always told myself, if I grow up, it'll be great to just start something on my own. So even as a doctor, I wanted to do something on my own and, you know, whether it's like start my own practice. So that individualism was always, I think, part of my DNA. Um, maybe the rebel inside <laughs> that I wanted to work for myself. And that was deeply ingrained since I was a kid. Um, so more so than anything, that's, that's always said, I wanted to build something that I can start and like look back and say, Hey, I created something. It's kind of a f uh, fascinating dichotomy because we're, we're hearing from you already the individualism, but also the collaboration piece and wanting to work with people. Uh, so how did you balance that? You know, that, that real drive to be able to achieve something on your own versus working for, uh, for other people versus and then connecting that with the collaboration and really enjoying working with other people i looked at the people that i worked for and i had the pleasure of working at microsoft and it was a great learning experience i had done work for other tech companies in silicon valley and i always told myself that i can run faster i just wish people would allow me to run faster but you have mm -hmm. to sometimes go lockstep with what the needs of the company, the manager, the organization were. So for me, I want to know how much can I get done? And startups was the best place for that. You really can get five years worth of work done at a startup that would usually take you that much time uh, at a large organization. And then I asked myself, what type of leader would I want to be for myself, right? And how can I build fireflies into an environment where each person has the autonomy and individualism to scale. And so you have to be able to create an environment where top talent can flourish. They're not constrained. Obviously, you set guardrails and to have things in place, but that's also shaped the way that we built our business. So when you talk about the collaboration versus the individualism stuff, I want to build something great, but something great can't be done just by yourself. Uh, you need to be able to inspire others to come on board, work with them and put in the effort, roll up your sleeves and do it. Not someone that stands behind and just says, do this or do that. Mm. Uh, so it's a combination of it's still a team sport, no doubt, but you still need to be the star athlete, right? For every team, you want to be the LeBron on that team. What I like to say is uh, we're going to have a bunch of LeBrons that know how to work together. Yeah, really interesting. It you know, when you talk about running fast with the, even as an entrepreneur, did you find you are running too fast sometimes? Way too fast. And uh, there are times when you have to slow down. Parallel processing is great, but not everyone can keep up with that. Sometimes you make mistakes as a result of that. Uh, sometimes the best companies are able to do one thing really well. There's exceptions to the rule. There's some companies that can do many things really well. But if you look at like the apples of the world, have very methodical approach to doing one thing and making it really, really well. So I had to take a step back when we were releasing products and developing stuff and realizing, wow, this, this has to be simpler. It has to be easy for the customers to understand and really putting myself in the shoes of what a prospective buyer of our software would look like. Uh, so you do have to scale, but you can still always be intense. 
Uh, you can you can do one thing, but you can be really intense and go several layers deep. And that's the difference between good versus great. Yeah, I absolutely love that. You know, a lot of people try and uh, rather than go deep on something and, and stay really specific, they try and go really broad, but not very deep at all. And that's where you come unstuck. It's, it's hard for the customer or th um, the people that are going to buy your services to to really connect with you when it's on a shallow, like it's a shallow basis across, you know, in something. So to be able to really anchor in long term, you've got to get that deepness, don't you, when it comes to your product or service? Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Where, where did the name Fireflies come from? I mean, for those uh, who are just listening, I can see Chris kind of lights up a bit like a firefly. I mean, where did it come from? Well, the most easy analogy is that Fireflies is like a fly on a wall that sits on your meetings and it takes notes for you. And it's able to afterwards send you the notes, the recap, the summaries, the transcripts for you to review. And that's something that actually a customer came up with. Uh, and we said, you know what, let's go with that. That sounds good as an origin story for Fireflies. Uh, another customer said, look, the conversations are like this dark information that you don't get to see and Fireflies is lighting it up. Because why is it that I can go back and search through an email I sent two years ago, but can't have a, a understanding or remember the conversation I had two hours ago? So Fireflies is lighting up my, my knowledge. Uh, but the true story behind the name is really uh, me and my co-founder in college, we were working on drones and uh, drone delivery and autonomous flying uh, tech. And at night when those things lit up they looked like fireflies so we just used that name and then we worked on dozens of different projects we were too lazy to change the name and we continued with the, the name fireflies but i like the story how inadvertently our customers were able to put a nice story to the name and the current technology that we work on today yeah i really like that i think that that's uh fascinating to think about um the origin story of where a name comes from and isn't it beautiful like i just think it's beautiful that your your customers are able to kind of put meaning to it as well yeah that's uh that's the best when you can hear hear it from your customers and they're so passionate about it oh yeah i love a passionate customer um fantastic i really like that now from a entrepreneurial journey you know you seem someone who's very driven who's who's got your own ideas who's really pushing forward who did you have along the way that was kind of a role model for you or the multiple people that kind of really hel helped you stay grounded but moving forward at a fast pace at the same time i look at how certain companies are built and what you can take from it what you don't want to take from it and really letting that set you up as an example. So for me, one of the companies that I absolutely love is Atlassian and the culture that they built and the way they were very efficient and lean uh, in terms of execution, uh, really taking a contrarian view to how to build software out of Australia. Um, and I actually take a lot of those principles to heart, putting your customers first, uh, keeping things simple for your employees, not creating a lot of bureaucracy or red tape, so I look up to those founders and I think they've done a wonderful job in terms of the company they've built. Um, so I also look at different people in other aspects of life, not just in technology. So someone I grew up watching a lot was MS Dhoni in cricket. And uh, I'm a cricket, huge cricket fan uh, and the sport of cricket. And I remember as a child, when I first started watching 
the way he played, the way he captained, and how he was able to react in pressure situations, no matter what the odds are, that makes you realize that you can't panic. Uh, you need to process information. You need to work like a calculator uh, in the toughest of situations. You need to trust your gut and instincts um, because you are making some of the most important decisions in split seconds. Uh, so again, that's that's someone that I, I would say like completely unrelated to technology, but the way he went about the process uh, is really important because if you over fixate on the outcome, it's very hard uh, and you get so caught up with the outcome that your process gets impacted. Uh, so those are some of the lessons and learnings I've learned. Uh, and yeah, so many people out there that have uh, built really good mindset, right? At the end of the day, it comes down to your psyche and how you are able to confront challenges. Because building a business, being at a startup is a roller coaster ride. There'll be days where this is like the greatest thing you're ever doing. There'll be days where you wake up and feel like, why am I even doing this? Life would be so much easier at a large company where I'm working nine to five. So it is about how you take the highs well and then also the lows well. Mm. So starting Fireflies, was it was it rapid growth? Was it kind of stop-start? Um, was it kind of just idling along and then took off? What was the trajectory of the company at the beginning? Before... Fireflies is the company that it is today. We had several other products, iterations of it on different pieces. We built email tools, we built Chrome extension tools, we built Slack bots, we did a lot of different tech. Uh, it was really around 2019 that we said, look, meetings are where all of the opportunity is. That's where all the value we can create with a tool like Fireflies. And we built our AI note taker. And we worked hard, heads down, for six months on the underlying platform. We took a lot of the learnings from our previous products that failed. Hmm. Uh, January 2020 was when we launched. A few weeks later, the pandemic happens. All of a sudden, acceleration, people using video conferencing tools all around the world. Everyone is working remotely. And Fireflies becomes front and center. Everyone sees this AI note taker on meetings. They get excited. They want to try it out. And we started growing much faster as a result of that market pull. Uh, and that was a really interesting time period because it's hair on fire and you're trying to put out so many different fires, but it's overwhelming. But at the same time, you're happy because finally, after so many hard years of work, you have people that are leaning in, they're pulling fireflies out of you and saying, I love it, I wanna use it. And you now feel like you don't want to disappoint those customers. You want to work hard to make them happy. And you want to make sure that the product keeps improving. And after a long day's worth of work, seeing someone write a note or say a thank you saying, hey, this really changed my life. And this has made my life so much easier at work uh, inspires us to work even harder. Yeah, the, the beginning of 2020 certainly was an accelerant on the fire. Uh, for certain businesses, it was it was kind of like putting a blanket over the fire for other businesses. And uh, I know for our business, we had the the accelerant happen on the fire as well. And it's everything kind of when everything's moving so fast, but then you get kind of as the pandemic's kind of slowing down, you then get hit by uh, financial, uh, the economy being challenged with recession talks, etc. How did Fireflies adjust to? Uh, or maybe you haven't yet. I don't know. It's a good question. Have you kind of hit a plateau or have you seen a drop off with um, 
recession talks, etc. Because that's you know we've got to be able to say ride the roller coaster, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, great question. So we thought the COVID spike would be like the peak of how fast we would grow, but we are probably growing 20x faster today than at the peak of the pandemic. And that's a result of putting in the hard work early on, building out the platform, making Firefly the viral part of everyone's workflow. Uh, It takes notes for millions of people. And that's just accelerated, compounded word of mouth. uh, And uh, yeah, we're heads down, we're locked in 2023. There's so much for us to do both on the roadmap and supporting our customers. Um, But here's the thing, there are things that you can control and there's things that you can't control no matter what. So we were able to control building a good product. We got a little bit lucky in terms of the market timing and the pull uh, and the desire to use a platform like Fireflies. Uh, But you have to also make the product effective, right? Just because it's viral doesn't mean it's going to be sticky unless you make it valuable to people. So there's a place where lock-in timing plays a factor, and I will not deny that. But there's also parts where you have to take advantage of that opportunity or gift that's been given to you and execute. Ultimately, ideas are dime a dozen. It's really the execution that matters. And I've learned that the hard way uh, over the last couple of years. And then you get to a position where, hey, look, there could be a potential recession. There could be high interest rates, macroeconomic trends that you cannot control. But what you can control is making sure Fireflies continues to be affordable for users, continues to be reliable, and helping people do more work and be more productive and stand out at work. So those are the ways that I like to operate. This is one of the reasons why I'm not a huge fan of just picking stocks blindly and like hoping that they go up. Uh, I almost think that that is gambling. The folks that are doing that on Wall Street are doing a lot of diligence, a lot of analysis. Uh, So I'm not a trader. I'm all about building value. But I would rather build value into something that I can control uh, and uh, that I have some amount of power over. And that's what lets me do the things that I do today. And uh, we, we obviously think about the market, but we don't let that change the way we approach the company and our customers day in and day out. Yeah. So. When you, you know, you talk about customers a lot here, but you've also got a lot of um, stakeholders potentially as well, um, partnerships that have been established with some of the big big companies around the world. For you, what's it been like working with, you know, companies like Salesforce, like Zoom, who are obviously experiencing their own rapid growth as well over the past few years? How has how that been comparing to having the relationships internally with your staff? With external folks, it's really about how can you add value to their platform? And in exchange, how will their customers find value in your platform? So because of the ability for Fireflies to take notes and fill out your CRM, right? Makes Salesforce incredibly valuable because the number one problem a lot of salespeople have is I have to go fill out all of the data in Salesforce and I don't want to do that. I got to sell, I got to go do this. And it's uh, problematic, right? That's the friction Fireflies is uh, removing for salespeople, just as an example. And so the more friction you can always eliminate for people uh, and make add value to those platforms, the more they'll lean in, the more interested they'll be, and the more they want to work with you, right? I, I do think that success breeds success in that regard. If you are able to provide value, people will come to you. I was never a natural salesperson, to be honest. 
I can talk to people, I can interact well with people, but I am not the best person when it comes out to cold outreach, as an example, right? So it's much harder for me to go in and try to uh, convince someone that uh, why we are the best or that uh, they need to give me a minute of their time to talk to me about. But instead, I was, I was always about the inbound, right? Attracting the right type of people to the business, right? If you focus on chasing the butterfly, the butterfly will always run away. That's outbound in my opinion. And if you instead focus on building a garden, uh, then the butterflies will come and find value. So I always felt like one day people will recognize the value of fireflies. So let's just make it as valuable, as great a product as we possibly can day in and day out. That's something that I can control. And then the moment someone says, hey, I'm interested in this and I want to learn more, let's show them the best experience possible. Uh, and then they will be our evangelists. They'll be our champions. And I drive this culture internally as well within the company. So we have a certain type of work ethic where we don't like bureaucracy. We like to be very straightforward. We put everything out in the open and transparent. Uh, we, as a company that does meeting software, has very few internal meetings because we believe meetings can be redundant and they should be automated and only happen when you need to make an important decision. So culturally for us, the relationships we have within our team is like what you see is what you get. There's nothing, uh, no drama, nothing is being hidden. And the best people thrive in that environment. And those that like politics, that like to hide behind uh, other things and not actually deliver work, uh, it's very, very easy to spot those people out and they naturally realize Fireflies isn't a good place for them. With Fireflies, is everyone working in the office together? Are they working remotely around the world? How is your current business model designed? We are 100% distributed from day one, even before the pandemic. And I'm a big believer that we should allow people that are highly motivated, uh, self-accountable, to be able to work from wherever they want to work. Because I have recently been to India and I got to see some of my teammates and see how some of my other friends and colleagues commute to work. It takes them like two hours, just one way to get to a place hmm. and then two hours back. Instead that four hours, go contribute some of that to work and then go spend it with your family. So if you're good at doing your work, you can be anywhere and get it done. I genuinely believe in that. I'm sure people will challenge me on that. There's definitely advantages to working in person and, uh, the energy and the spontaneity. But if you build an organization a particular way with a particular type of uh, persona, a personality trait, you can still make it work. And so when the pandemic happened, we didn't have to change the way our operations existed. And now we're seeing more companies going back to the office and we're okay with that because this has worked for us being fully remote and we will continue to do so. Yeah, we're in exactly the same boat. We, we've never had physical office with our company either. Um, but one of the interesting things is it's always that fine balance between removing meetings, but also having those meetings to create those opportunities to continue building rapport and connection. You know, we saw a lot of companies that went, okay, we've people having way too many meetings, so let's shorten the meetings. But then you kind of lose out on that, that potential to actually just get to know each other. How are you balancing that? We had our first team offsite in person this past month, and that was really transformational for us to put to put people together, put a name to a face, uh, and have people talk and build that uh, that bond. And many people are in the same city, so they'll hang out after work, 
for non-work-related stuff and form friendships. So one thing that cannot be underestimated is when you're working remote, it can get lonely for some folks and how you build an ecosystem, your family, your peers, and how you interact with them. That is also really important. And I've become more cognizant of that and creating a more culture of bonding and getting people to spend time together and talk. And that, that is really valuable. And we learn a lot about each other during that team offsite in person. That was our first offsite in Malaysia where we had everyone together. And uh, I think that helped with the overall company culture and morale. Speaking earlier, talking about the uh, with, with the actually with the artificial intelligence, you know, it's a lot of people talking about shaping the the workforce of the future. Uh, I'm curious to get your kind of thoughts on this. Is it going to make those people that uh, are highly intelligent? Is that going to allow them to become uh, even more intelligent in a way where they're kind of they have more opportunity to focus on the things they really want to? Can go deeper because the uh, the extra kind of stuff they're doing is kind of removed or are we and then on the opposite end are we seeing those that maybe in a way and i don't like to really use the word dumb but become a little bit dumber because everything they don't there's a lot of things they don't need to do so they're not using their brain power as much uh you know we saw the advent of computers and etc and calculators that took away that kind of processing that thinking around mass where are your thoughts on where artificial intelligence is going to go in regards to the human brain? And is it going to make us uh, more intelligent or is it going to make some people maybe a little bit dumb because they just get lazy? I want to start by saying that every person has intrinsic value, unique value that makes them special. And it's really about how you use it, how you apply it, and how you're willing to be proactive about it. It comes from within. Sometimes some people come from harder circumstances. Completely makes sense. That's understandable. Uh, other folks that are choosing to not put in their 100%. So if someone is being resourceful, that is the most important skill you can have as a human being, mm. no matter what AI comes out there. So I always like to say that AI isn't going to replace you, but another person who is using AI and is resourceful will replace you. So when we think about technology of this era, we can always think about looking back at how technology has evolved in the past as well, not just AI, right? From the personal computer to the internet to the smartphone. The key here is being willing to learn and train and upskill yourself. In the age of AI, upskilling needs to happen a lot more rapidly because boring, mundane tasks will get automated. So if someone is hired to move files around or sharpen pencils, that's not going to fly in this day and age, right? Mm -hmm. And especially with a recession looming, people are going to think a lot more about how can they make their workforce more efficient? Do they actually need the number of folks they need? So AI can be used to make you smarter. You can learn more. You can be more resourceful. If you're a designer, AI can help you come out with 10 iterations rather than two That'll help you be more competitive, be more creative. Uh, if you're a writer and AI is helping you write like six different intros to a blog, that's going to help you be more successful in creating the right type of content. You're always going to need that human connection, right? Especially when you're building relationships. I actually think that's those skills are going to be even more important than just STEM. The ability to communicate, the ability to be 
be empathizing with customers and folks uh, and think like logical reasoning should not be uh, uh, something that we dismiss. It's really important, uh, but it's a combination of both. AI is going to help those that use it reach newer heights and those that choose to ignore it, put them in a tougher spot. And you're going to naturally see this up leveling that needs to happen across the industry, right? If you look back in the day, you had phone operators that would connect you to the different people you needed to call. You don't need that today, right? Yes, those jobs were displaced, but they had to probably level up and move into newer fields. So it's the same way here that new jobs will be created while other ones get displaced. But it really is on us to be able to be in a position to learn. So this is not something that just starts with an individual, but also creating the right incentives at a company level, at a government level, uh, and realizing that we need to give each and every person the resources and opportunity to learn, right? The most important skill set is education. And if people take everything away from you, they can't take your education away from you, your skills to be someone. And you can start over from scratch if you are knowledgeable. So I think it's the same way in this world of AI is be knowledgeable, learn to use it to your advantage, embrace it, um, and be the best person you can be, whether it's at work or in your personal life. Good. Love that approach and about, you know, being able to take that initiative and continue learning. Uh, we do know there are plenty out there that are not really too phased about that and will just go with the flow, but they're probably always going to be the same. In regards to you talking about your note taking now, you know, some people are probably just thinking, oh, are you just giving me a transcript of what has been said in the meeting? Does How, how well does Fireflies summarize and being able to bullet point what are the key things in that meeting? So first, let's start with the quality of the transcription. It works well across accents. It works well for English. We've also launched for foreign languages, Spanish, French, and 18 different other languages. So we had to get that part right, right? You can't have good summaries without the good speech recognition and transcription. And now you can actually search through that transcript, listen to it, read it. We've solved that first layer of the problem. Now, the summaries have also come a long way in terms of now, instead of just taking snippets from meetings, we actually paraphrase. We actually write it in the style of a human. And we have the AI create meeting outlines shorthand notes, action items, a brief synopsis, pulling out some of the key topics that were discussed in the meeting. And that allows a person to go through a one hour meeting in less than five minutes. Um, we took that even a step further and said, look, you don't want to listen to the meeting. You don't want to read the transcript. You don't want to search through the meeting. You don't want to read the summary. No worries. We have this new AI assistant called Ask Fred, where you can just ask questions about your meetings. Imagine Fred is that perfect teammate that always pays attention, doesn't fall asleep during meetings, and knows all the answers. So you can just go to Fred and say, hey, Fred, uh, how many seats did that customer want to buy? Or what were the objections that our VP brought up that we need to address? And it will take care of all of those things and answer them for you. So this is the, the new frontier, right? It's not just about the transcription. It's not just about the summaries, which are, quite frankly, I can't tell if I can write a, do a better job writing them than the AI. And now we can also allow you to customize uh, the summaries so that you write it, have it written in the way that you want it. Uh, but it's about just taking this step further and uh, making knowledge accessible. That's really what we're doing. The note taker is just one step towards unlocking 
knowledge and making you more knowledgeable. Okay, so I'm just going to touch on Fred here a little bit. Uh, if we ask Fred, you know, who, who's this this really uh, this diligent person sitting in the classroom who's taking all notes, etc. We all know that the answers are only as good as the question. And if someone's not in the meeting, how do they know that they're asking the right questions um, and getting the context that is required? Because you can ask questions, but is it actually providing the context of what's happening in that meeting? You know, Maybe the nonverbal communication that might be missed in regards to these notes. So, so I'm really curious around how we're going to shape artificial intelligence doing things like summarizing and taking notes in the future that also takes in consideration the nuances of what might then the dynamics that are happening in that meeting. Right. So if a meeting has an agenda and you know what that meeting was going to be about, that gives you context. The AI will also have context. We also have smart search filtering capabilities where you can press a button and instantly see questions that were asked. And then you can zoom in and say, I just want to know the questions that Craig asked. Mm -hmm. And so with two clicks, I can zoom in and get all the context I want. Uh, I can read the synopsis, which is like a three to four sentence synopsis of what the meeting is about. It's almost like, a, like what you would see for IMDb when you're looking at the synopsis for a movie and deciding if you want to watch it or not. So there's a lot of ways you can pull context and not only have a bird's eye view, but also zoom in to a specific point in the call. I can go to 10 minutes into a call, search for that keyword and know what that was about, click it, listen to it, see it, and then go back to friends and, hey, you know, they were talking about scenes 10 minutes into the call about this new AI product they're launching. Tell me more about what that discussion was about and when they're planning to launch it, right? So it's all about context um, as you have conversations with uh, your AI assistant. Mm. So when you're doing this, so say you've uh, you talked earlier earlier before about maybe for a salesperson they pull it into uh, you know maybe a Salesforce or some other sort of CRM. Once it's in there and you've got the notes, does it allow you to go? Okay, um, I'm interested in this. Now play the audio. Will it go to that audio point? Will it show that for uh, like allow us to listen to that? So when it goes into Salesforce, it's going to be text based because uh, the system doesn't support. Uh, Salesforce's interface doesn't support that, but we'll have timestamps where you can click into it and then it'll open up a Fireflies tab and you'll be able to jump to that part of the call. So there is that flexibility to do all of that diving in in, in the dashboard itself and there'll be links to that. Mm. Okay. Where is the new frontier for Fireflies? Where, where are we? What's their new next destination? You know, they're hanging out in the, in the caves um, just down the road or where, where are they going to next in a way? Yeah, so for Fireflies as a team, we want to help people be more productive, more creative, and automate mundane work. And the way I envision Fireflies is not just as a software company, but your chief of staff. If you had the most perfect chief of staff in the world, how would that person or AI function? So in this case, I want Fireflies to be proactive, helping you get the information you need, and someone you can talk to. So if we're meeting again in six months, an hour before the meeting, I would want Fireflies to send me a quick blurb about our past conversation to jog my memory, share a few of the action items that we were going to follow up on, and help me get better prepared to have that meeting with you. If I want to better understand my customers, and I don't have time to sit through every single customer call, I want to be able to go ask Fireflies, hey, look at my last 20 conversations with our product team. 
that our product team had with our customers and tell me what are the most frequent feature requests they're asking for. So Fireflies will be that proactive chief of staff, knowledge assistant that's going to do work that would take a traditional knowledge worker hundreds of hours to do, and it's going to make you more informed. So as an executive, you make better decisions. As an individual, you can be more productive and cut out unnecessary meetings. And as an organization, you are eliminating the communication silos that exist as you get bigger. For me, when I'm in a lot of meetings, I'm taking notes on the fly and connecting it to other things, uh, connecting it to my own thoughts, maybe even how I want to reflect that. Does Fireflies, is it, is it happening automatically in the moment, real time, so that I can see that in front of me, I can quickly go, all right, let's add a note to here while I'm actually in the meeting? Yeah, so we are working on that stuff right now to make it real time. Right now, you'll get the notes and all of the magic about five minutes after the meeting but we're gonna have a real-time experience for you to be able to interact with or see the things that uh, you want flagged while the conversation's happening. And so by the time you hit done on the meeting, you're able to already ver verify it through Fire. Is there a way, cause like for me, I process things where I like to write, it helps me remember things, it helps me go a little bit deeper when I'm doing something. In a sense, can it reflect back on, say, I'm writing my own notes along uh, as it's happening? Can, is there some way that it will connect with each other and go, okay, you're writing things about that. Here's the here's some extra context from the from the actual uh, transcription, etc. That will fit that. If I need to go a uh, more go go deeper later on, I want to go. Okay, why did I write that? Let's understand a bit more. What was actually said in that moment? Let's understand maybe a little bit more about the context of where the person who was speaking at the time is trying to take this. Is that is that the ability to connect those two worlds together? I think there's definitely a way to do it. We're not a writing tool, but what I can do is ask Fireflies to draft a post-meeting thank you email to you based on the contents of the conversation or generate a blog draft or create a product spec uh, document that I can start with. So. It's really going to be able to get you that information, solve the cold start problem. Um, maybe there will be other AI tools out there that will help you be writing. And then as you're writing, you can pull on or infer from Firefly. So where our AI is talking to the other AI. And I could see a world where that could happen. But um, right now, uh, I think that's a really cool opportunity or even partnership uh, with some other technology companies down the road. Mm. And that's really accepted right now, the ability to partner, go, okay, well, I've built this technology. Someone else goes, I've built this technology and really be able to fuse those together through APIs, etc. Is that the feeling you have inside the industry that everyone really is like, okay, cool. I've got something cool, but it's going to be even cooler if I work with you. I think SaaS is a very connected world and you need to have connections. You can build a company in silo, especially if you're a larger company and you are building everything yourself, but we are using dozens of different tools every single day. And the best platforms are the ones that can seamlessly work with other platforms. And the cloud is an open world. It really is an open world. Um, that's my thesis and other CEOs probably have other takes on that, uh, but I think for our customers, it's significantly more valuable that they can leverage the power of Fireflies in all the platforms they use. And we build rich 
uh, integrations because of that, as well as uh, work with APIs of other services. So I guess it's like a accepted social norm in the world of tech and in SaaS, maybe different in other industries, uh, but that's what I see. And I think that's where the world is heading. For you, in regards to the future, where do you see artificial intelligence and technology shaping the way team dynamics and culture work inside an organization? AI, if used effectively, can reduce a lot of BS inside an organization, create a radical sense of transparency, help people be more productive, more knowledgeable, more informed, reduce the number of unnecessary meetings, uh, reduce the miscommunication that exists, eliminate all of those gaps, and help people do their best work, be creative, spontaneous. And I think that we are moving towards a world where organizations will be able to collaborate better using technologies, just like how using video conferencing allowed us to communicate better or SMS or texting. AI can help bridge all of that knowledge every single day and make the right decisions. If anything, we have information overload today. Mm. And so AI can help simplify some of that stuff for us. Touching on something here that is a question that's it's probably the, the number one question that sits in my mind which is, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be human in 2023? And even in the future, what potentially could that look like? You know, when we add a lot of uh, artificial intelligence, technology, processing, etc., what does it mean to be human? And the second question on this is around, what are, are we, like in regards to decision-making, who decides how decision-making occurs? And and fundamentally, have we had it wrong or have we had it right around how we've made decisions as a human race over the past, you know, tens of thousands of years? And so as artificial intelligence comes through, to me, in in a lot of cases, it can be used and it can be abused. But what does it mean to be human and how do we actually make decisions and who gets to decide what the decisions that have been made? And so how do you approach this when you're looking at the algorithms and behind the back end of uh, Fireflies as well? Because we're talking context here and we all make our own meaning of a conversation and what's being said, the nuances of the way that people use uh, nonverbal language. I'm curious to see where this is going to go because it's, it's, a, it's a tough question. It's a big, big question that we need to uh, understand in the future. What are your thoughts on this? Wow. You posed a question that I think most people, most philosophers never have an answer to. What does it mean to be a human? And in the age of AI, it's really hard. Does it mean that if you're eating, breathing, sleeping, uh, existing, you're human? Uh, what if your brain was uploaded to the cloud and your thoughts and consciousness could be run through the computer? Does that mean you're being human? Uh, it's really tough. Does our relationships with people and nature make us human. Uh, I contemplate that a little bit, uh, but to be honest, in the world of AI, when it comes to decision-making, uh, I believe that AI should be used to inform and let humans make the final decisions. That's where we're going towards, unless you're gonna say, hey, there's gonna be a singularity in a few decades. I don't think it's gonna happen that soon. Uh, I think that entrusting AI to make certain decisions could work, but it's just like self-driving cars, right? Like it's a risk trade-offs. How do you 
balance those things. Um, do you want it to drive you? But what if it drives you off the cliff? Or, hey, if everything is an AI car, the chances of uh, accidents is a lot fewer than if humans were doing it because humans are prone to error. So what I like to look at the world through the lens of AI can be used to make us smarter. It should help us inform us. It should also help us contemplate the trade, the trade-off, the pros and cons, and talk it out um, and run through hundreds of scenarios. And ultimately, we need to be able to pull the trigger. Because if you go tell AI, your number one goal is to go make a ton of pencils. It may not take into consideration any other implications and say, okay, I'm going to chop down all the forests. Uh, I'm going to put everyone to work on pencils. And you can take things to the extreme to a point where you have no air. Like, I mean, maybe the AI eventually realizes that, uh, yeah, I don't even need humans because the most important thing is I need pencils. So it really comes down to what is the end goal? And I feel like humans are still very much in control of the process. It's just that they're going to need to learn to adapt quickly to a lot of signals. Common example of this is in uh, the trading world, quantitative trading. Before, it was done by people manually. And then now it's almost all, all of these hedge funds, all of these quant firms are using AI and algorithms and uh, rapidly trading at very high frequency, right? So still a human has to make the call. Otherwise you may miss the call. You're losing millions of billions of dollars. Um, but you need to make those decisions faster and you need to gather information faster. It's a rat's race out there. Mm. And I do think AI is going to help with that, but it's also going to contribute to that. How important is it for entrepreneurs to try and consider what might be the unintended consequences of doing something? You know, we saw with Facebook, etc. the unintended consequences of Facebook we never thought would happen in regards to the mental health issues that it might be facing, the addiction that it's creating to being on online and, and trying to find that perfect human or whatever it may be. How important is that for entrepreneurs to be considerate of? I think we have to be cognizant of the tools that we built and how it's going to shape society. And there's a bigger question around how do we also bring people together and move people forward so that they can leverage this technology and not get excluded from it. Um, I really believe that if you are going to have technology, you need to give equal access to it um, and allow people to have it. If some company has some sort of monopoly at the higher level and says, the only AI you can use is this, I think that will be problematic. Uh, I think AI can also have biases that we need to be aware of and address that. Because ultimately, AI, in the purest sense, is a reflection of humanity, especially these large language models. They're trained on all of the internet. Who created all of the internet? It's user-generated content. So it has both good as well as the bad. It has the positives as well as the most racist, bigoted type stuff, right? So you have to be cognizant of that and know that like AI is not the end-all be-all. It's really in the purest sense a reflection of humanity. And it needs to be known that there are times where it will fall short. And that's why as entrepreneurs, we need to create transparency in how the technology is working. Uh, we need to create accessibility and we need to make this a platform that other people can work on and leverage and learn 
and not make it something where, hey, there's only one AI that you can use and nothing else, right? So that's that's important. Before we jumped on, we talked about entrepreneurship and about the importance of you know playing the game versus actually doing it. For you, what is it that you see in people that thrive in entrepreneurship and those that don't? Yeah, for me, entrepreneurship is about waking up every day, willing to take the punch and keep moving forward. So it really comes down to, are you willing to show up every single day and compete even when you're not at the top of your game, even when there are circumstances that you can't control? And maybe it's not something you can do forever. I know that for sure, right? But there's a period in your life where you care so much about what you're working on that that passion brings you forward and that gets you excited to keep doing the things you do. Um, so find that passion, find that problem that you want to solve uh, and say like, would you want to make that your life's work? That's a great question to ask, right? Um, otherwise, it's not worth it. Yeah, very good. We all know smart people have great answers, but the most successful people ask great questions. When was the last time you did something for the first time? I think it was the willingness to be in another country, not knowing the language and willing to put myself out there. So I was in uh, Korea uh, a few months back and trying new things, new food, uh, exploring. I learned so much about myself. I realized how much of my world was like safeguarded in this bubble until I put myself out there and learn about a brand new culture. And I went out, took the train. I was honestly like the only non-Korean person on that train, the non-Korean person on the streets. Uh, and it was just such a unique experience. People were very nice, very considerate, but I was, I was genuinely scared. Like, how am I going to interact with people? How am I going to be able to understand what they're trying to say? Am I going to be judged because I look different? Um, so it really puts things to the test. Uh, but I do believe there's one advice I can give people is put yourself outside of your comfort zone. I know so many folks that have grown up in one place, lived in that one place all their life. Uh, but there's something unique about going to a brand new place, starting over from scratch and discovering yourself. Uh, so this is not even entrepreneur related, but this is really about personal growth that when you put yourself in those circumstances, you become a much more evolved person over time. Beautiful. You're speaking my language. I love that. I love going to new countries and going, getting lost and then figuring out, uh, how to find yourself in that situation. What is the one question that you would love to solve? I would want to be able to understand how we can create different businesses with the smallest amount of resources possible. And what I mean by that is I truly think, why does it take, you know, 10,000 people to build a publicly traded company? I believe there is going to be some company in the future that's going to be able to create something amazing with just 10 people that goes public all the way. Right. So I, I do think we are moving towards a world where everyone can be in their own way an entrepreneur. And the problem I'd like to solve is how can you build that sort of company um, without having to ingest a lot of resources, a lot of capital, 
you know, being a net negative on the environment and the economy and just being as positive as an impact. You know, everyone talks about global uh, footprint, right? I'm thinking about capital footprint uh, and efficiency because those are really important things that I think about from a business point of view um, because growth is great, but I think efficiency is especially important and it's a responsibility that every entrepreneur should have. Uh, so I think about that as, as how do you build that perfect business is how do you build an efficient business? Mm, I love it. Uh, it's been really fascinating, fascinating listening to you today. How can people learn more about what you do and what is the best way for people to connect with you? Uh, folks can reach out to us, uh, you know, all over, uh, with our website with fireflies.ai. You can go try it out, use it in your meetings. Uh, also have a way to, uh, reaches out on LinkedIn. I'm pretty actively posting on LinkedIn, also on Instagram. Uh, my hashtags are Chris Ramanini. So look at my handles there. Uh, but yeah, I think the best place is uh, would love for people to give Fireflies a try if you're not already using an AI note taker for your meetings. Um, and uh, would love to hear your inputs and feedback. Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Love hearing about your journey, uh, your desire to be very individualized in the way that you can approach something and being an entrepreneur to in regards to how do you collaborate with not only your employees but also stakeholders and partners along the way it's 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 quite inspiring to hear about where fireflies has started from where it is growing to and your real depth of wisdom and and desire to really make a difference on this planet not just for uh, in regards to you know sustainability and anything like that, around it's around how can we be more resourceful from a capital perspective. I really love that approach, and it's been refreshing. So thank you very much for your time today. Thanks, Craig. Really appreciate it, and I had a great time. And you had very interesting questions. It's time for you to join the inspiring great leaders movement by visiting craigjohns.com.au. Share this podcast on LinkedIn. And be sure to hashtag inspiring great leaders. We would love it if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Drop us a line with your feedback and questions and connect with us on the Craig Johns LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram pages. Be sure to check out the next inspiring great leaders podcast. Where the ordinary don't belong.